And we are live. Welcome back, folks, uh, to the latest episode of the Unscripted Minds, Martin Hopkey. And uh, as always, we're joined by Charles. Hi, Charles. Hello, Martin, Steve. Hello, everybody. And yes, we've got Steve back. Uh, Steve yes. 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 I'm back. <laughs> so I think we've got a great show here. Um, I'm, I'm part, probably partly biased. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, coming from uh, working in the education sector. Well, I was uh, up until today. Uh, that was my last day. Um, but I will hopefully get back into the education sector uh, doing something else. But we've got some great guests here. Um, yeah. And I think this is a lovely topic. We know that there are so many Google Apps Script uh, uh, users out there in the community uh, doing amazing stuff uh, in the education sector. and. Um, if you're not doing stuff, we thought maybe we'd get some people on to uh, help you be inspired. Um, but also, if you are doing some stuff already, um, uh, just you know, again, learn from these wonderful people and what they can do. So, I think without well, further ado, we should bring our our guests onto the stage. So, we've, uh, we've got Alice and Dave. Hello, Alice and Dave. Hello, welcome to the show. Thank so you for having us. Amazing to have you both here, uh, particularly as we appreciate uh, this is, you know, perhaps a slightly more stressful time for teachers, um, <laughs> juggling a lot that's going on. Um, so we're really grateful that um, you, you've been able to, um, you know, take a bit of time out from uh, the day job and uh, join us on the show. Thanks. I'll tell you, I see Dave all the time, and it still never gets old how nerdy it feels. I get to talk to all of you guys. Well, I just wanted to echo Martin's sentiments. And, and first of all, on behalf of everyone, not just in the AppScript community, but in the education space, um, both of you guys are kind of legends or giants, if you will, for, for various reasons. Uh, and I'm so kind of in awe and pleased to see that you can consistently give back as well too. So you were teachers and now you're teaching uh, mm. important things. So I just want to, I want to commend you guys and thank you guys. And I'm, I'm always blown away by the contributions you've made to this space and also in just in awe of, uh, of your expertise. So, so thanks for joining us. The, the feeling is, is mutual for what you guys are doing on the show to teach people F script. Yeah. Thanks for that, Dave. So uh, should we maybe just, so for those not familiar, Dave, um, uh, last week in last week's show, I just called you Dave Fluberu. Which is also your Twitter handle if people want to reach you on Twitter. So, um, do you want to just give us a quick kind of background about yourself and what Fluberu is for those that haven't caught on to it yet? Absolutely. Uh, and stop me if I ramble because I love this topic and it's one of my favorite stories. Uh, so my name is Dave. I'm a Google employee. Uh, I'm a customer engineer in Workspace, actually, uh, at the at the moment. And prior to this, I was on the EDU product team as well for a little while. Um, my story goes like this: Before I started working at Google, uh, I was doing other engineering day jobs, but I was teaching uh, teaching physics at night, in like night school at a community college in my area. And the first time I started teaching, I had a classroom of like 50 students. It was kind of a survey course on physics for rocks for jocks, if you will. Uh, and uh, I got up there. I'm like, yeah, this is going to be great. And I quickly realized I knew nothing about teaching and didn't know <laughs> the first thing about what I was going to do, and let alone how I was going to grade all the homework for these folks, uh, given the fact that there were 50 students and I was teaching this part time at night. Uh, and it was it was a real eye opening uh, moment for me. Uh, so I'll, I can give the full backstory if you want all the details. But the, the shorter version is that I realized I quickly, I needed a way to grade, automate my grading. And because it was a survey course, I, I felt okay about doing like multiple choice assessments, multiple choice homework. Um, I didn't want to charge students to go to the, have students have to go purchase Scantrons and then run them through. And a good friend of mine, uh, Roni Habib, who's an educator also and a Google certified educator said, hey, why don't, you, why don't you try Google Forms? They just came out. This is 2009, I should mention. Wow. Great. Sounds great. Perfect. So I collected them all. I'm like, great. I have all these results in the spreadsheet, and I have no idea how I'm going to get these sort of one place. Uh, but I have some coding background. I was I did text computer science and programming, and so I downloaded it as a CSV and I wrote up a, a script on my computer in Python on my Mac and graded them all and posted them all with anonymous student IDs. 
uh, with the grades. So students could just quickly see their grades. It was great. It worked well. I even had some stats on, you know, which questions did the poorest did students do the poorest on? Where, where should I focus? Which students should I call out in office hours to help them out? Um, but I showed it to my friend. He's like, this is wonderful. Can you make this available for everybody? Uh, so I started working on this even before I got to Google as an App Engine project. And then later when I got to Google as a 20% project, and to scale it out, I realized AppScript would be the way to go. Uh, so I wouldn't have to pay the server costs of running this on App Engine if it <laughs> happened to become successful, which it did. Uh, <laughs> and it just kind of it just kind of grew from there. So so I got to ask a question, Dave. You're, first of all, you're well over 10 million downloads. You're one of the most popular apps ever in the Google Workspace uh, marketplace. What's the name mean? What does that come from? <laughs> uh, first of all, I still can't believe those numbers. Uh, it just blows my mind all the time because there's no there's no marketing. It's all word of mouth through teachers. And so that's really a, a testament to teachers teaching teachers how to use tools as mm -hmm. to why it's grown so much. The name, I used to love this story, and now I'm a little hesitant to tell it. Um, <laughs> I'll explain why. This, remember, this is 2009, and I would, had this idea for this tool. I'm like, I'm going to make this a tool. This will be fun. I like having side projects. I love creating things. I love coding. I don't do it in my day job, but I love it as a hobby. And uh, I was, you know, I was thinking like Grade Bot, the Grader, Great Grader, all kinds of names. And my wife and I were watching reruns of old 80s shows just for fun. We were TiVoing them and watching them, and we were watching the Cosby Show. Now I know the Cosby Show now has with Bill Cosby and what came out has not the most positive connotation to say the least. Uh, but since, so I don't promote this story much anymore, but since it's relevant and you asked. At the time we didn't know better. And um, the Cosby show, was, we were watching it. I'd grown up watching it growing up. And there was an episode where they talked about a made up word and they, it was called Flubrew. I was like, that's a cool word. It's fun sounding, it's playful. I want this to be approachable for teachers. So I Googled it and I got one result on Google which was specific <laughs> spelling, by the way, because I had no idea how to spell it. And the one result was um, a reference to the show, but nothing else. So I immediately booked the domain name, and it was awesome. <laughs> and, so, and so the rest is history. Now, that's awesome. Hey, so I actually wanted to ask. I think this is a good kind of a segue uh, opening for the show. I mean, we know about the success of Workspace, a.k.a. G Suite, AKA Google Apps, whatever you want to call it. It's been huge in schools, in education, right? Uh, and it's really become a staple. But one of the amazing things we find is a really super high proportion of people that do automation, that use AppScript, that build solutions are in the EDU space, even more than in the business space. And that to me is amazing. Collectively, either one of you is, can you kind of explain why do you think that success happens, why it resonates? And you know, how does it, how did it become a thing? Alice, you want to go first? I yeah, talked too much. I'll go first. Uh, you know, first of all, it's, it's approachable. I, I literally learned how to do app script in an hour, but I think education in particular has some really specific use cases. So whenever I'm using a product and I send feedback back, it's pretty common that I hear, um, Alice, you're not a typical user and they don't want to do my features. And I'm like, but these are the things that I need. And so I see on Facebook constantly is people asking like, why can't we do this? I want to do that. And I just, I just reply back, you can, if you can code it, you know, you can do it in, in app script, but you know, a lot of products and even Google apps themselves were not designed for school. Google classroom obviously mm -hmm. was, but the rest of them were not. And so when you're trying to design a product that has so much reach beyond this subset of education, then a lot of the products don't specifically serve the needs of teachers. And so app scripts allow the school to have something that really works for them and rather than trying to hack it. So yeah. we heard Dave's story. Oh, Dave, do you have a comment? I'm sorry. I was going to dovetail on that great comment by Alice. I think you can add to that too, that you know teachers have these problems. They're very close to the problems. The Google tools don't always address them directly, or at least not with a very few number of clicks. And and teachers are problem solvers with innate curiosity. A lot of times, by by nature and the reason they go into the profession. And to add to that, there's just a lot of excitement around Google Apps for Education, Google Workspace for Education, whatever you call it these days. Uh, in uh, in education, a lot of teach. I've got, have you ever gone to Google Education events, whether they're brought, sponsored by Google or partners? The people come dressed in in garb and Google colors, carrying their school flags. They are excited. They are. I mean, there's more excitement there than some concerts I've been to. And so it's a huge audience of enthusiastic teachers who want to teach each other, not only to use the apps but to code them too. But I'm talking about 120 million 
students and teachers worldwide with wow. a huge word of mouth marketing network. Um, so they spread that excitement much more so than in the in the corporate or business space. Yeah, hey, Gavin just uh, chimed in online. Thanks, Gavin, for the company. He said, just say saving time in a really time restricted space. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that is, I mean, you know, teachers are known for the resourcefulness, right? They do more with less. They have to, they do it, and they're successful. Uh, Alison, I want to switch back to you for a second. We got Dave's story a little bit on, on Fluberu. I'd love to hear how you, a former teacher, now became a teacher of teachers <laughs> and what kind of inspired it to you. By the way, if you don't know Alice, Alice really doesn't need an introduction in this space. Everybody knows her. If you haven't seen or found her stuff, uh, she's everywhere. She's amazing. I don't know how she gets everything does done that she gets done. Uh, but Alice, how, how did you actually make that? Actually, Before you do that? I actually currently teach. I, I, well, I was going to say. Morning, and then I came over yeah. here to do this show after doing my duties. Um, wow. I, I just, I really love kids. How did I get in this space accidentally? I was chatting with someone who worked at Google and, and they weren't responding back. And I said, what are you doing? They said, well, I'm coding. And I said, what are you coding in? And they said, AppScript. I'm like, I'm gonna learn that. <laughs> and I just had like this vision that what I really, really need is to take a roster of my students' names and put them all in the same spreadsheet because um, I would rather hit myself in the head with a brick than open up 130 Google Docs, right? Like this is, this is the problem that every teacher has. We have at least 30 reasons to learn to code. Uh, we have to do everything for every, you know, each student at a time. So I want them all on the same spreadsheet at the same time. And I looked it up just before I was about to get on a flight. And then the code is insert sheet. And I'm like, I know what that does. <laughs> and before I got on the plane, I was able to code where I take a roster of student names and it creates a tab for each student. And I have finally, six years later, got that officially in the marketplace. It is a template tab for anybody who is interested in using that. That's an awesome story. I think as well, Alice, it's amazing to see, you know, you just got an eye for these things that, you know, a lot of teachers are just banging their head against and you're like, oh, you can do it. <laughs> it's so easy. It's like um, we were talking before the show, of, um, you were giving me an example where uh, your husband's also a teacher and he's got yeah. all these yeah. paragraphs. I told him I would help him. My husband's an English teacher and I told him I'd help him do some grading. And then I found out he asked them to write, have every student write a paragraph on a Google Doc. And I'm like, dude, I'm not opening 140 Google Docs. And I took 20 minutes in my kitchen and I coded up alicekeeler.com slash pull the paragraph, P-U-L-L-T-H-E paragraph, however that's spelled. Um, and so what that does is when students have all of their Google Docs in a folder, which is the beauty of Google Classroom, it makes coding so much easier since all the student work is in a folder in Google Drive and it pulls all of the, par thank you, all of the paragraphs of text off of all 140 or however many you got students' documents, pulls it into a spreadsheet, which if anybody knows me, no one loves a spreadsheet more than mm -hmm. I do. And you can read all the responses in one place in column C, type some feedback and send it back to them without having to open up any student documents. I mean, that will save you hours. <laughs> That's the consistent feedback I always get from teachers too, is like how much time these solutions mm -hmm. save them. Like, don't don't make us tools to make us better teachers, make us tools to give us more time back so we can go and be yeah. better teachers, which is what we know how to do. Yeah. By the way, Alice used to make these awesome stickers, which I used to have one on my laptop, Alice, I need more. Awesome. I said, the answer, the answer is always a spreadsheet. And I used to give those to people on the spreadsheets team and they loved them. <laughs> I have a question for both of you as well. Um, as teachers, uh, there's probably this great desire to have interaction during your half hour segment or hour segment with them. What creative ways have you leveraged Google Workspace to have this interactive uh, relationship with your students? That is all I am about, Steve. Like, how do I have students interacting with me? So I have coded alicekeeler.com. Just so we're clear, everything is alicekeeler.com. Uh, alicekeeler.com slash first slide. And I've created breakout rooms uh, capability within that. So what it allows you to do is to create a Google Slides per group of students, sets editing access to allow them to contribute while they're in the individual breakout rooms on their individual uh, group slides. I can push out slides to update it while they're in the breakout rooms. And then I can shut off access and send them a note to come back from the breakout room. I guess would be my specific thing I made for the 
times. Yeah. So not, not to do yet another plug, but I do want to plug a couple of things. If you go to alicekeeler.com slash scripts or tutorials, and if Martin, you can put those up, you have literally hundreds of examples, samples, reusable things that people can use. And please go look them and download them if you're yeah. a teacher, you're looking for time-saving things. But I want to ask you the specific question. How do you know when it's time to sit down and automate something? Like you mentioned opening up 100 documents, you know it's time to stop and automate it. How do you know when should I actually program something and, and, and also when it will resonate with others versus I can do it one time? Or when, is it, when does an add-on become an add-on for you? When does a sample become a sample? Oh. I stalk Facebook and Twitter and I just look for people like feeling, you know, crying out for help. And I'm like, I can do that. I can solve that. I think even though I am teaching and I do code a lot of things just for myself, although I think that a lot of the applications I make for myself are so specific, they're not always shareable. Um, I'm really looking for solving some pain points. And I, I see a lot of people commenting like, oh my gosh, that would be great. I certainly feel like it's worth my time to stop what I'm doing and fall down the rabbit hole. And I'd add to that, that if, if you as a teacher have a problem or something that you consistently do over and over again and spend a lot of time on, it's not just you. Chances are you'll find a huge swath of other teachers, sometimes at different grade levels, different types of schools, all over the world who have the same problem and struggle with the same thing. Because you know the, the most common issues you struggle with, chances are others do too. And if you're struggling, that means it either needs to be in the product itself and you can give that feedback to Google, or maybe it's an opportunity for you to write a simple script. And sometimes like it, all it takes is 20 lines of code. And all of a sudden you've saved thousands of hours across all these teachers, if not more. So what's suppose that's one of the things to highlight as well. So, you know, obviously we're you know, we like the guts and gore of app script, but a lot of you know educators are out there sharing scripts just as both of you have and you know into the uh, the workspace marketplace as add-ons so people can extend the functionality that they've already got sitting there and, and doing stuff um so yeah we you know power to the, the no coders is is definitely something that both of you are um, opening up yeah and you know so many people who approach this actually can i should i show a quick slide yeah, sure. you can do that. Let me let me switch over. How are you doing that, Dave? Didn't you actually open source Flubaru as well too? Yeah, I did. So you expand on you it. Are, work for you them. are segueing beautifully, Charles. Ah, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> so let, me, let me address the open source thing second. Okay. Uh, but first, I want to show this. So several years ago, I was doing kind of a, a self-made rotation, studying more EDU stuff, inspired by the success of Flubaru. And I talked to all these different teachers, and what I found was a large number of them never had any prior experience with programming or very, very little, or maybe it was a decade or two prior. Alice, you're on here actually somewhere. Uh, yeah, various scripts, Alice Keeler. Uh, so that was one of the first times we spoke actually. And so many of these folks didn't know too much. And the, the tools they made were nece not necessarily when they first launched them anyway, very sophisticated, because again, they were just starting, but they were hugely powerful and they made such a big difference. Um, John McGowan, a friend of Alice and, and mine, he made uh, GMAT. He was a, uh, I think he's on here. He was a math teacher. He did some programming and he was he had studied math, but he had never done app script. Uh, but he created this, created this really awesome, uh, someone says GMath is great in the comments. This really awesome <laughs> extension uh, add-on for forms to insert mathematical equations into forms. The thing he saw was missing and he saw success because so many other people needed it. Um, the open source thing specifically, uh, another slide on that. I did open source uh, the tool and I, I did it mostly because I, I wasn't trying to make money off this. I wasn't trying to keep it proprietary. It's actually a 20% project at Google. I, I couldn't if I wanted to anyway, because Google was kind enough to let me work on this on working hours. Um, and so I open sourced it to try to help. So it's on GitHub if you want to see. It's mostly the latest version. Uh, to try to get more contributions. Um, and the main contributions I got uh, were for languages. I it's translated into over 20 or 15 or 20 languages, all from uh, folks around the world taking the language file uh, updating it for me into the strings in their own languages and then uh, sending it back so I could incorporate it into the code, which itself was amazing. I remember at one point I had three different people who wanted to translate it into Italian. We were all in a Google Doc together. From, they'd copy the code off GitHub into Doc, and they were all arguing with each other about the proper translations uh, for different phrases of how do you how do you say assignment? What's the best word? Um, that was amazing to see. Uh, but the and I got some submissions for um, the first functionality of auto grading where. You didn't have the teacher. I didn't actually have to go and manually grade the assignment, but it just graded upon form submission. 
Uh, one of the coolest things though I saw was that because I open sourced it, other folks were able to learn from it. Uh, I got several comments. Ollie Trussell is one guy who was on that previous slide. He made a great uh, tool called SuperQuiz, which was a competitor to Fluguru for a while. Uh, and he said, you know, he started learning the code through examples online, including Fluguru. So by open sourcing it, not only did I get contributions uh, to the tool, but I helped other people to learn how to code as well and then go on and make more tools, uh, which is one of the unintended but really, really cool consequences of that. Yeah, and that's, first of all, that's one of the things I love about what both of you do is you actually don't just create these things and throw them over the wall. You actually teach others. You're teaching teachers how to do it. And I, you know, there's people of all different levels, as you mentioned, technology. You know, Alice, I actually uh, viewed one of your teaching engagements where you were bringing brand new folks, I mean, brand new to technology, and you were showing them from square one how to do things. And first of all, I really respect your patience <laughs> um, because I was like, wow, okay, I mean, really, it's square one. But I, I was amazed watching as these people who had never, ever, ever thought, oh, I could code, starting to code and hearing the in their voices that light bulb go off and everything. And so, you know, we know teachers are, they're brilliant people, but they're juggling so many things. How do you, first of all, give the confidence and inspire people that you can do this, you can learn how to do this on your own and you can become self-sufficient? Like what's, I know there's no magic way, but how do you bring that to people? I, well, the first thing is every teacher has 30 reasons to code. It's not even that hard of a sell. It's like you can spend a little bit of time learning this and it's just going to save you so many hours. So I show them things like pull the paragraph and, and some different things. They're like, that's awesome. I just wanted to do this. I'm like, great. Let me just show you a couple of things where you can just take what I already have and you can modify it. You don't have to start it from scratch. Um, but I'd like to guarantee that if anyone would take the time, and I do a lot of um, intro to coding workshops and office hours and things every, all time, constantly. Um, so I'd love to help anybody who would like to get into it, but that time that you invest into learning it, it will pay itself back a hundredfold. There is something that you wanna do, you wish it would do it, and it will save you time. It's not that hard to sell, but you know, getting people to start doing anything is, you know, it's taking that first step. Here's it. I'm going to add to that. I have as my first bullet here on, on that question, but I, I anticipated you were going to ask. Go slow, have fun. Alice has great resources. So I would throw back <laughs> to her, but I would, I would add two other things as well. Um, one is that if, you know, AppScript is so wonderful in that you can go, you can start small and then gradually get uh, larger in scope. So you can start with a few lines that just does something for you. Mm. You can share a copy of that sheet or script with another teacher so it does something for them too because they probably have that same issue. If you really want to get serious about it and spend some more time, you can publish an add-on just for your school or just for your district, which is a lot easier to get through those hoops as long as IT will, will allow it through. And then, you know, some folks have gone all the way uh, and created an add-on in the marketplace. So you can, starting from the same code, which is totally reusable, you can move out like that and solve problems for yourself, for teachers like you, for, whole, for your entire school, for, for the entire world. And there, there's that whole uh, pathway, that staircase just waiting for you. Um, the other thing too is don't forget, and Alice, maybe you have some thought of this, you have students, students who love to code, students who maybe are more technical or maybe you don't want to take the time but you want to give the direction, give a student the opportunity in your class to learn to code a problem for you. It's great for them and it's great for you, everybody benefits. And they say great way to start learning practical programming. So that's a great so, point. I wanted to ask you guys that question because we've always focused EDU on teachers automating things, but we know a lot of young minds are, are brilliant and, and frankly way more nimble than folks like myself in learning things. How, how, many, how many folks do you see? How many kids, for lack of a better word, do you see actually picking this up and adapting it and, and, and how many find it accessible? I mean, what's, the, what, what's your experiences there? I, I had a, a submission to the open source code, uh, something to do with the way points were calculated from a student, uh, specifically who did it for her teacher in the <laughs> class. And uh, this was a few years ago already, but uh, mm -hmm. she looked at the code, said, hey, if I tweak this and this, I, I, I walked her through how to do the GitHub submit, and, and that was it. It was really simple. Uh, and I think there's a lot of students out there who like to code, but don't necessarily want to just make a sheep walk through a maze. Those are great learning exercises to start, mm -hmm. but would much rather do something practical, like, wow, I, I made this, and now my teacher's using it in the class, and they're happier, and I just don't think I'm really proud of. Yeah. I, I haven't incorporated it, so I'm not teaching my students. I'm still trying to keep right. up learning the standards for what I'm doing this year because I haven't taught it before. But, um, you know, the uh, 
oh gosh, what is this called? The there's a course that Google has put out here. Dave, you know what I'm talking about? I'm gonna look it up. Um, <laughs> and I was involved in it too. I got to help review it and um oh gosh, it's gonna bug me now. But what is the course out there? They they have different uh digital applied digital skills. Applied digital skills, yeah. So in the applied digital skills, they have a whole course in there that you can introduce your students to coding Google Apps Script. And I did help to review those lessons. And so I will tell you, there's some great stuff in there that can help students really get started and do things that are interesting. No, that's awesome. Hey, Steve, I know you've got a background in education. I've done some work with it with schools and stuff too. What I mean, what are some of the things you've seen or observed? Uh, I'm just going to ask a question based on that. Um, student collection of data, the privacy part. Mm -hmm. um, and so my open question is, uh, what challenges have you heard about? Hey, I don't want you to record the student email. Uh, have you heard of that instance? And what things or best practices can you recommend to be careful with data collection? Right. Yeah, I have that issue with Flubru and Spades. Um, essentially, so first of all, Flubru does not collect any of that information or store it other than in the teacher's own drive, right? It just basically manipulates the data in their own drive and sends email on their behalf. And I say that very clearly, like you have to understand that we don't touch your data and store it and keep it on our servers, but it is in your drive and you're, you have to be in control of who you share it with. Um, that said, uh, I do get a lot of schools, more and more over the last few years, that come to me and email me and say, we can't allow students uh, and teachers in our school to use Fluru unless you sign our uh, privacy agreements, COPPA agreements, et cetera. And sadly, because I don't have, I'm, I don't want to sign those as an individual and I don't have legal representation to do so or a business, I have to actually say, here's my documentation about how I don't use your data, here's why it's COPPA compliant, but I can't sign. And actually I've seen declining usage as a result of that. So that is a real challenge. Like if you're just using this within your school, it's one thing, but if you're trying to publish something, you do need to be aware uh, that's a challenge. You may want to incorporate it as a company so that you can, even if just a one person LLC, so you can sign uh, these types of agreements if you want to do that. Is that something, Alex, as well? That you, oh my gosh, you, it's in my existence, honest to goodness. Uh, I, I haven't really had anybody, I mean, I've had a couple of requests, but not so much because most of the stuff that I put out there, I it's so niche or I just haven't gone through the effort to submit it. That you, like when you go to alicekill.com slash first slide, you become the uh, creator. It says you you are the developer of the script. You would be authorizing yourself regardless. None of my stuff collects any student data, but I frequently just get people like, mm -hmm. it says it's not authorized and it's going to steal your firstborn child and burn down your house. Yeah. It really won't. It's safe. <laughs> I know that you're literally clicking on unsafe, but it's mm -hmm. safe. Yeah. I just want to share with people, and I just feel so discouraged that uh, that yeah, I feel discouraged. Yeah, <laughs> if, you, if you could share what I'm presenting real quick, I'll show you. So I actually, in every single email that auto responds from Fluru, I give a link to this, and it I, I address all these points as well as I can. I don't store your data. I never log mm -hmm. anything that could identify a student. We don't monetize. We don't show ads. All that stuff um, to alleviate these concerns as best as possible. But that said. Um, Typically, this is not enough for most schools, at least most schools in the U.S. I think yeah, that's probably something just to highlight the fact that, you know, if you are using AppScript um, and not accessing external services, you're, you know, you're, you're working within Google Workspace. Um, so you're, you're covered by those policies. It's only really if, you, if you're ex interacting with external services. But it's a really hard, I've never, you know, similar to you, both I've you know had had those conversations and it's really hard sometimes just to explain to people how app script works and how it's on a Google server and I don't actually when it runs I've got no idea what's running um, so it's a it's a tricky one yeah when uh, I guess there's a couple of techniques to help to associate a student to work trying to get the mind away from emails and one way is just the document ID that they're using. That may help in a certain use case. And the other thing is with App Script, I believe you can, you can create a temporary user ID that will last like 30 days, which is a substitute. So besides that, I, I don't really have an answer. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think you can do those things. And as long as you're not keeping any logs, you certainly don't want to log student information. Uh, as long as you're not storing anything and you're operating 
strictly manipulating data in the teacher's own Google Drive and all the files in there, which typically are most of what these applications do. Uh, you're, you're fine from a technical standpoint. It's just getting that legal sign-off uh, that you need to do too. Quick pause, just looking through some of the comments here. Brian uh, shouted out the same thing you just said, Dave. One of the nice things about AppScript is it keeps everything in the user's drive. So you're mainly building in gas, uh, which is helpful. Uh, and then Adam checked in uh, code CS. Does anybody know code CS? No, okay. Well, there's one for all of us to learn on as well too. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, Adam's got another uh, comment. He's going through the verification of add-ons. And I know Alice, you, you've, <laughs> you've gone through this pain as well. Um, any, any tips? To, or is it just something you got to suck up and do? Uh, yeah, I think just getting through it a few times and knowing what kind of things they're looking for. Like when you make the video, make sure it shows the URL at the top. And I actually have a, a, something I'm trying to get approved right now where it takes your Google form. When the students submit to a Google form, it automatically goes to a Google Slides presentation. So particularly when you're remote, and uh, just gets the kids interactive in that. And I just didn't put the icon on the web page, and I just haven't gotten around to it yet. It'd probably just take me five minutes, and then they would be approved. Mm -hmm. And then three weeks later, and I still haven't done it. So it's just perseverance, following through with the emails. They're actually pretty helpful, usually to tell you, like, you need these things, and eventually you get it. Yeah, just stick with it. I have two add-ons in the store, one in addition to Fluberoo, and it's mm. it's frustrating, but uh, if you stick with it and just be communicative and do everything they ask, and if they say, do the hokey pokey and spin around three times, do it, whatever it takes, you'll get there. Better than it was. Hey, uh, Mozart just came up with an interesting use case that I should have thought about. Um, what do you guys do or seen, or what have you built, or what do you recommend for educators that want to keep the parents involved in the grading process? For example, does Fluberoo, is there a way you can include third parties? You can add multiple emails. Uh, when, so when you fill out a form, a Google form, essentially it collects the email address of the student to send them the grading results. You could put multiple emails in a row there or to put the parent email. Uh, that's more of a tip of how to do it. It's not officially in the product though, because uh, it's, it's not a common request I get, but uh, some teachers do, they just, they're, it's, the grades themselves are standalone anyway, which they're already gonna import, import into their SIS or LMS. Uh, and then from there, they're gonna share them with the parents. So it's not a request I see too often. Gotcha. Yeah, there's, there's several layers of complication in that. Like, how do I get the parent email lined up when I'm running this particular script? It's not necessary. It's not pulling from my student information system and giving me that parent data. So I have to have the parent email addresses in some way that I can pair them up. And it's pretty much more hassle than it's worth. Gotcha. There's, um, I just, I remember coming across uh, an example on which we, I'm just going to quickly share my screen, hopefully, um, on AppScript Pulse. So this is um, Luke Craig. Um, obviously, under uh, pandemic situations, you know everything's kind of moving online at different points. So he um, he created a script for virtual parents' evening. So he was again, you know, we're hitting that kind of automation um, magic button in terms of creating a schedule and meets. Um, so I'll post a, a link in the chat. So it's really nice to see as well. You know, individuals. It's not you know. It's individual educators quite often coming out with these solutions, yeah. um, which are then applicable. There are so many people facing these same problems right now. Well, so the ability to be so nimble to get it out there so quickly. A third party mm -hmm. company just, they can't publish stuff and get it out there in a professional way that fast. So we have a pandemic, we have some needs, and then solutions come out and they're just ready to go. Just, just be forewarned, it's addictive. Once you get something out there, they're <laughs> using it, they're giving you feedback, and you just want to keep keep it growing and making changes. It, it won't be long before you remember, oh, I have a day job too, right? Yes, yeah, I can imagine. Um, I'd ask you a question on support, but I don't know if I want to hear the answer. <laughs> uh, I, can, I, can support. Actually, I would love to do that. Could you show, throw up my slide again one more time? Sure. Um, support is interesting. So um, support we have is community-based for Fluberoo because it's not a for-profit uh, tool. Uh, we have a discussion Google group. And over time, lots of people have contributed, helped each other out, which is terrific. I try to answer when I can. 
but I just have a day job and it's hard to get to everything. So I just kept seeing this one name show up over and over again, answering everyone's emails. It was this guy, Joe Schmidt, who's now a good friend. Uh, he's a retired IT professional in Kentucky. And he answers questions for Flubaru all the time. And he gets on hangouts and video meets with people, teachers all over the world. And it's great for them, great for him. He says it, it's better than gardening. Uh, so it's more interesting for him in retirement to do that. We also have an extensive uh, help center. Anytime an issue comes up, I write an article. Joe knows about it and can direct teachers there. And we get, at its peak, several thousand hits per week of folks uh, who want to want to get help with screenshots and stuff. And so it's it's a fun way to keep people posted. And you know, if you like to write and create documentation, it's really easy to do. It's all just done on, on Google Sites. So awesome call out to Joe Schmidt. Thanks for doing that. I got to ask Alice, though, do you have a Joe Schmidt? I need a Joe Schmidt. <laughs> um, I try to, you know, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Twitter and I see people putting things out there. But, you know, I'm a mom of five. I teach and I do a lot of things to create and support teacher PD materials. I, I'm just one person, so I'll do what I can. I, I, hate to, I hate to put you on the spot, though. Mother of five, full time teacher. No, no, I teach part time so that oh, I can. Part time teacher, but still enough. Um, you're just releasing your seventh book on this topic. Fuck. Yeah, so I'm almost done. Me and Kim Matina are writing 50 Ways to Teach with Google Jamboard. And the worst part of it is I can't code Google Jamboard. And I'd like to throw in the word yet. Yeah. Uh, okay. Go with mindset, Alice. Let me pivot for a second because I actually have a question. And I actually don't uh, have much experience with this, but I, I, I know there's some possibilities. Uh, Google Classroom and the Google Classroom APIs. Are, are you are you folks using it? Are you versed in it? Uh, oh yeah. Tell yeah, I've heard a lot in Classroom. Do you, Dave? I haven't. Uh, I've been a little bit derelict in keeping up with some some stuff. So because some folks have asked for some Flubaru Classroom integrations and I haven't done it, but I've seen a lot of great um, uses of it. Uh, I have a couple. I know a couple of folks. Clay Smith, you know, two house recently made a really awesome attendance tracker for Google Meet before Google came out with attendance. But what he doubly does, which is what Google doesn't do yet, is he compares the classroom roster with the folks who are in the Google meeting. So he can actually do an attendance tracking properly of actually who's in the class using the classroom uh, API. And there, there's a number of add-ons. I think ClassRite is one by Goldie Aurora that does classroom management using the classroom API. And there's several others in the marketplace too, which are pretty remarkable. So from, from the teacher side to manage your classroom, to do attendance, to um, to add classes, create classes, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Alice, how do, you, how do you use the Classroom API? Well, first, if I could just give a shout out to Clay. He just this week came out with a new add-on that allows you to do repeat announcements to the Google Classroom. Oh, awesome. so I know a lot of teachers have been asking for that. You know, we put the same thing out. I do the same attendance question every single day. And so just to have that automated. So thanks to Clay putting that out there. Um, then I forgot your question, Dave. Oh, how do you use Classroom API? Oh yeah, so, uh, it's it's really the hub for me for teaching with Google Classroom. So if you go to alicekill.com/reusegc, it actually started off as a way that I could gamify Google Classroom to allow me to have students level up based on the number of points in Classroom, and I've kind of depreciated that. I'm thinking about how to bring those features back, but through that. I have a whole system where it creates assignments from its default directions. It puts the template tab in there. Um, it sends it to Google Classroom. You can automate it so it auto scores. One of the oh, things that drives me nuts about Google Classroom is that I have to individually type in every single score. So I got 30 kids, I got like four, I use a rubric, right? So four, 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 and inevitably I type 44. It's just tedious, and so now I just I open it up and everybody has a four. So all that they do is change the couple of kids that didn't get full credit, and it just saves me a ton of time, but also allows me to reuse multiple assignments at once. So I can pull up all the assignments from a previous class, uh, or the current class, and I checkbox and want these five, and then I'll re-put them back in there without making copies, which I really appreciate. Um, so yeah, saves me a ton of time. And, and Alice, correct me if I'm wrong, but each one of those individually is probably 100 lines of code or less. Oh my gosh, right? if I have less than 14,000 lines of code on that thing. I will be surprised. That is like my, my baby. I, I it's constantly keep adding new features. It's out of control. Yeah, but to, to individually do one thing in a Classroom API, 
you can do a lot of a lot of with just a few hundred lines of code. And and I tell this to teachers, but I tell it to developers too. Like if you're looking for a side project, if you're looking to just help out an EDU, want to do something good, whether you're Google or 20% project or anywhere else, and you would just sort of say, I want to help teachers, I want to do something. Um, it doesn't take much code to automate these kind of repetitive tasks. Mm. And all of a sudden you found that you've saved thousands, tens of thousands of hours for teachers uh, a month uh, with very few hours of your time and very little code. Have, have I know everybody has ROI studies in business, right? Have you ever actually tried to figure out, and again, I know it's a you know, fishing in a big ocean type of question, but what type of time saving does the average teacher get from tools like these? Is it an hour? I mean, we, we, I have a slide on that, Charles. Was that you have a slide on it? Okay, it's even better. I, I've asked this one before. Hey. So I was wondering that myself. This is back in 2016 when Food Guru was kind of in its heyday. It's it's declined in usage some since with the introduction of quizzes and Google Forms. But um, I I surveyed 5,600 teachers in the product. I just said, take time to help Slubaru by answering a quick survey. And I asked them hours saved per per week. And and then I did some math based on like, I asked them, are you K-12 university and so forth? And and some other questions too, which I won't get into, like you know, how, how helpful is it and so forth. But I, I it came down to about 3.7 hours per week saved per teacher. And across 40,000 teachers who were using it at the time, that's like 144,000 hours per week saved, creating the equivalent of roughly 3,000 K-12 teacher equivalents, right? Just from, I won't say a few hundred because Fubru has grown to several thousand, but from relatively simple code that does something really simple. It just looks at a Google spreadsheet, compares mm -hmm. some rows, sends off some emails, and yet the, the amount of time that's given back to teachers to spend with their students is phenomenal. It just shows the kind of impact uh, the tools like this can have for teachers. You know, that kind of reminds me of a question I've been thinking about. Um, your intended audience is EDU, but has there been crossover from small businesses or businesses in general? Yeah. Say, hey, that tool applies to my use case. And yes, you have, have you heard much about that? Yeah, a lot. Uh, I have had fire departments use Fluru to evaluate uh, their staff. I have had the DMV or driving driving ed classes, not the DMV. Driving ed classes use it for for you know when someone gets a ticket and they have to go to driving school to grade. Uh, businesses that use it to evaluate employees. Uh, uh, I know another gentleman, uh, Robert Adut, who runs this. It's an online school, yaymath.org, and uh, it's still education, but he's he's doing his own business, teaching math online, and he uses it to grade. So when people uh, watch a video, then they do a quiz and they get their grade immediately. Um, a lot of folks wanted to use it for certificates. Uh, so like if I fill out a, a, a form and I get a certain grade, uh, then I can email a certificate and I can track uh, you know, competency among employees or people related to my business. That's what my second add-on does, which is more targeted at businesses. It basically does a simplified version of Fluber that just sends certificates instead of full. I love certified. It's part of my keynote. Teachers love it so much. And that I do outside of Google. Uh, it's not a 20% project. We actually got a, a question here, I think, for you, Charles. So <laughs> I think you've uh, you've been dabbling yourself. Uh, yeah. I, so Steve X asked, uh, have I ever published my um, Google Form offline creation script? I actually have. I, I, I kind of have, but I haven't published it uh, broadly. But uh, one of the neat things I did is I actually wrote a script that creates forms automatically for you. Uh, and I did it because I was creating lots of forms with some of the same questions over and over again. And then the weird, and I actually use a sheet to manage it. I use a sheet um, script that actually right. creates it. But one of the weird things I found out is it allowed me to create forms offline. I was actually going to an event. I was flying. I needed to create a form, and I went created the sheet. And then I hooked back up online. And I hit the button and it created it. And it was just a. I was like, oh wow, that was accidentally really super cool. And so, uh, Steve, I didn't sh uh, share that up, but I'll make sure I do uh, share that with you or figure out how to share that uh, going forward. So great. Uh, that's a great question there. Uh, I was going to ask what else or open an open question. I do before we move on and, and think of anything, but I want to do a couple of shout outs. So real quick, uh, with some personal shout outs. Um, first of all, Maya says hi, Dave. That's my daughter. She's watching downstairs. Hey, Maya. And Alice uh, Marcia loves your shirt and would like to see the whole thing. Well, Marcia bought me the shirt. So that's there you are. So there you go. She's biased, but perfect. Uh, but, but timely. And, and we all love the shirt as well, too. Uh, so with that, um, other questions or comments or thoughts? Or th here's an easy one. Uh, we talked about all the good things. Um, 
Well, what are some of the blockers to get started? What what do you what do you find people get tripped up on? Or or let me ask the question this way: uh, What do you wish you knew then about automations and building things that you know now? Um, what are well, what were some of the things you stumbled across early in the early days? Oh gosh, uh, the early days was really early because there was no add-ons. There was there's just sure. a script gallery for me. Um, I would say one of the things that's that's um, a problem, not problematic, but challenging now that I wish I had realized earlier were uh, to restrict my OAuth scopes because by default, AppScript just requests the most yeah. general OAuth, the highest level drive, all of drive, right? All of Gmail. Um, and I didn't know that I should probably go back and change those to just what I need. And now, so tools like Fluru request access to your entire drive, right? And pretty soon, I know I, 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 that Google's going to change things that you know, require security reviews, like they did for Gmail, but now for Drive 2 at some point. And I'm going to have to go back and change that. And people are going to have to reauthorize, which is going to break their triggers because it's not going to be authorized anymore. They're going to have to turn on and off, re reconfigure. It's going to be a big pain. Um, I would add the other thing I learned, and I wouldn't have done it differently, but it was an education for me, was about kind of business and business competition. So mm. I made back before there was uh, a tool for quiz in Google Form, quiz mode. In fact, quiz mode came out of Fluber. The, the education team was like, this is really great. Fluber is really popular. Uh, we're going to do quizzes. Would you help us? Would you give us, let us basically steal all your good ideas? I was like, sure, here, take, take them. I want to help teachers. This is what it's for. And so many more people will be able to use it as a result uh, of the fact that they don't have to authorize it, get it installed and stuff. And so um, that was really awesome. But I do have a slide, if I can show of what, what that does to your usage. Uh, so right here was my peak usage in 2016. It was 41,000 monthly active users using Fluguru. And I, this only goes a couple of years if you keep the, the trend keeps going down. <laughs> uh, I'm down to about 10 or 11,000 now. And it's plateaued there, which is fine. Uh, but because why would you want to install a third-party tool when the product does it natively, right? And so this is the advice that I constantly give um, any add-on developer who's not just making a tool for themselves, but really wants to put something in the marketplace, is carefully consider are you just filling a natural gap in the product that Google or any other company will eventually fill themselves because they just haven't gotten to it yet? Or they're going to see your idea and be like, what a great idea. And, and it'll take you know one of their engineers a few weeks to code it up because that's going to put you out of business or at least very dramatically impact your business. It's kind of like you know if there was a really great hamburger restaurant, but they didn't serve French fries. Would you really want to open a food truck that serves operate a food truck serving French fries in front of the restaurant? Yes, it's complimentary and it's great for a while, but eventually they're gonna catch on and be like, hey, we should serve fries with our burgers too. And now you're out of business. So it's better to look for tools and things that are complementary, but a little more specific uh, in terms of, you know, okay, I'm gonna solve a problem for a lot of teachers, but not so many that Google would probably wanna bake into the product. <laughs> or maybe I wanna solve a problem for a lot of people, but I'm gonna be solved for the power users. And that's really who's still using Fluber are the power users who want much more customized grading options. I'm I'm interested, Alice. Uh, I think they're all. I think it's a really nice pers perspective to have, Dave. Um, Alice, I was wondering, do you monetize any of your add-ons, or you know, how? Given all that you you do, how how do you financially make it viable? I suppose in uh, some way. So I have started. I do a premium membership. So alicekeeler.com/slash/membership, and I. I spend half my day just working on stuff for premium members. So they'll give me requests and things and I do code up things just based on request of people in my membership. And so I do have a few things that I do have reserved um, for that. For the most part, I put out most of my stuff for free and I'd like to give it away for free. But I figure the things that if I didn't have time to do this, um, I wouldn't exist. So those, those end up being premium features. That's awesome. I, I suppose another question. Um, so, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I, I, I've ended my job today, and um, now I've got that as part of my exit was the headache of some of my scripts were running under my account, and my account won't exist forever. Um, is that a problem you've encountered as well, your users, that they move to another school? And suddenly, there's issues with taking their scripts with them, or scripts continuing to run. Um, I haven't seen it as an issue, at least not to, not reported to me. I do get questions: How do I transfer this script and this process to someone else? So I ended up writing a help page for it 
giving people ex explicit instructions because oftentimes there's multiple files too. There's the form, there's the sheet, uh, there's any other documents associated. You have to transfer ownership, uninstall the, the add-on, reinstall the add-on, turn back on the triggers. Um, so yeah, it is it is a tricky problem, uh, and you can't run at least last I checked uh, add-ons that are trigger-based in the team drive or shared drive. Uh, I don't know if that's changed, but because there's no person to associate the quotas with and the execution with, so it is it is a problem. I don't have that problem, but I mean, just <laughs> Google Classroom in general is a problem um, because you can't share your school Google Classroom with your personal account. So it's more just of how do I get my Google Classroom yeah. stuff when I leave, and it's like, yeah. Uh, I have a similar related question. Obviously, teachers find and discover your tools. Obviously, somewhere within most organizations, educational institutions, there's an admin of the you know the domain. Do you have a conflict, or do you ever have to worry about I have to go get admin approval, or the, or the teacher has to convince somebody? What's that flow like as far as being allowed to do this? I had to get my school to approve my own stuff. <laughs> working with the principal and I'm like we're going to use template tab this is going to solve all your problems and it says you know this isn't approved and I had to fill out a form and say I coded this it's safe you need to approve it so now it's been pushed out to the whole district but you know a lot of times it's knowing who even runs your Google Apps for your district if you're fairly large you probably don't even know who to ask that's yeah. a great it's interesting in the early days of the script gallery and the Chrome Web Store. I never had to, never got asked questions about this. I think there wasn't as much awareness, or maybe the tool, the, the tools to surface this within the G Suite or Workspace Admin Console. Now it's the reverse. I get folks, admins, writing me saying, "We'd like to turn this on, but as I mentioned before, you need to sign our agreements." Um, so yeah, there's there's definitely a gatekeeper there, and for and for a good reason. You know, and it makes good sense. I always wonder about the friction. And Alice, you mentioned it earlier. You know, one of my least favorite features is when you go to run a script and it says, you know, this may be unsafe. Go back to safety. Safe. Like, wow, that, that's not that really <laughs> it's so obviously one of the things you have to get past is that that overall fear that you're you're not stealing somebody's you know information or livelihood or it's whatever. A scary screen. It is a scary screen. I uh, I have multiple requests in to uh, you know. Soften that language, but you know, part I'll of it is one of those, Charles. I'll, I'll plus one it. Yeah, it, it, they, we always are on the side of the most caution, but sometimes caution means you know shutting progress down. Unfortunately, and you know, it is one of those things. You don't want to be unsafe, but sometimes you feel like you you know. It's not total paranoia. I could code. Yeah. I was using Drive app. I could code to do a whole lot of things. I I just really don't want your files. Absolutely, <laughs> I remember you. David, you know, early days, the scope was. Here's everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now it's way better, right? Now I'm not actually, you know, for example, if I build an add-on in Gmail, I only get scope to that context of that active document, not every single mail inside of your inbox. And so it's gotten better and we've learned and, and, and developers have learned and there are those headaches. But again, for the new folks getting started, it's, there's this, whoa, 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 wait, what do you mean? Well, you know, 13 different little lines of scopes are being granted here with all these different icons. And you're like, whoa, 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 I'm going back to safety every time. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's a, it's a few bad apples, or maybe more than a few, but as a percentage-wise, a few bad apples that are rooting for everyone else, right? There's those bad actors. Google Forms, if you look at the bottom of a Google Form, it says, never insert your password in a Google Form. Yeah. And that was added specifically because there were people collecting passwords sure. for malicious purposes of Google Forms, and there have been people using AppScript for malicious purposes, too, to take over accounts and make them look like they do something bad and they don't. Uh, it's like a phishing kind of a thing. So. Uh, agree. There's you have to strike that right balance between protecting users, but still not scaring people off from these tools that are functionally safe. Well, again, that's why it's great having folks like you guys out there educating people. Pardon the pun, educating people on on what you need to do to be successful with it and not be afraid of it. And yeah, I do think we need to do a slightly better job on you know not making the, the scare tactic. You know, but on the flip side, you know, safe versus sorry. But yeah, absolutely, we want to be embracing and and, and and pull folks into the. You know, the opportunity these tools provide. So, so Charles, I see perhaps a question in uh, from Faustino that Steve might want to pick up because Steve, I know, um, I think you've worked on add-on monetization. So, is there something you, you'd like to say to this? I believe 
that is all right during the publishing process i'm not aware of any specific um premium domain wide access for education at this point i don't remember seeing that there um could be a feature request i suppose Yeah, not to not to be funny. I I will self admit that you know being part of DevRel, we are very focused on the enterprise space and not the EDU space. So there's a lot of nuances that you know, frankly, you know, from the product team side, we don't necessarily get specifically about the EDU cases, which is why I'm I'm, I'm blown away. You learn so much more, uh, and there's so many nuances. Like for example, you know, managing emails. That's not something we worry about on the business side. Don't the other way around. They want the accountability. They want to know who the data is. We're obviously on the privacy side of the student. It's a very different thing. So there's a lot of things that 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 don't apply in the core product area that obviously apply and are very sensitive in the in the EDU side. So it's it's great to push those questions out there and, and frankly inform folks like myself and folks on you know, building some of these product features what those, those those needs are. So keep those ideas coming and and you know you can contact us and, and let us know. Yeah, in fact, Adam just shared unverified unlisted might work. And that's true, depending on the use case and policies. So that's a possibility. Um, I actually have another question. We got a couple minutes left. Um, <laughs> when we write add-ons, let's say maybe it's for external purposes, not just internal. And uh, it works, it works. And suddenly support says, hey, it doesn't work for me. Um, and a lot of times it goes back to admin level, securing it so tightly it won't run. Have you experienced that? And which ones are, are your thorn in the sides? <laughs> yeah, I've seen situations where admins will turn off the drive SDK for users, for example, and that just breaks things inexplicably uh, all of a sudden, uh, or you know, put it on the non-trusted, the restricted level uh, for drive access or Gmail access. Uh, typically, I get questions from users, and you have to kind of diagnose, like, is this a user issue or an admin issue? And if, get, if you can get a screenshot, send it back to them. Yeah, this looks like something you need to talk to your admin about. Send them to this help article. Uh, but yeah, that's tricky because there's no way to really detect it in the code. Well, I try to add a try-catch into my code when I use Drive App because I do know a lot of schools will block Drive App, and it just pops up and says, admin has blocked your access to Drive App. And, and oftentimes the workaround is you just go make it in your personal account and share whatever that file is with your school account. But unfortunately, that doesn't work with any Google Classroom things that you might be running. That's true. Good yeah. reporting is super important, like with that yeah. surfacing it up at a high level, because sometimes it is useful there. Yeah, plus one. I've actually wrote code, try catch, and maybe try it a couple times if it still fails the same message. I actually have a nice user feedback to the user of the app to say, call your admin to learn more or something like that. Put his yeah. name, put his phone number. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely frustrating well, when you've put something out there and it's not your fault and mm. you can't access it, be it because some paperwork needs to be signed or whatever. Well, I think we're uh, sadly running out of time. It's been wonderful having uh, both of you, Alice and Dave, on for this. Um, I'm sure this is going to be a topic as well that, well, certainly I'm keen that we revisit. So, um, but um, thank you so much both for sharing your time and all the stuff that you've been doing over the years as well. Um, please, please don't stop. Please, please Teachers stop. around the world, thank you. Apparently every day, apparently three and a half hours every day that you save them. So keep it open. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. Thanks. It was great being on the show, guys. Um, just for uh, if you are interested in um, uh, workspace education type things, um, just to flag that um, next month, uh, Google are doing a, another kind of uh, live on uh, on air. I think is education on air is the branding. So um, so that's. Uh, 17th and 18th of February. So yeah, you can dip into that. Martin, um, how, how about our next show? Very good point, Charles. So our next show, uh, we're uh, we're going into the macro converter. So mm -hmm. we're delighted to have the developers of the, the macro converter, which is an add-on. So if you're toiling away with uh, some of your existing Excel spreadsheets with um, VBA code in, um, you'll be learning about that at the slightly earlier time 
Um, and this is breaking news, folks. I haven't quite worked out all the time conversions. So, Charles, I know in the UK, this will be 4 p.m. Yeah, I think it's um, 4 p.m. your time. It'll be 8 a.m. 8 a.m. my time and 11 on the okay. East Coast because our engineering folks that built this are actually in Bangalore, and we wanted to at least let them do it while they're awake. <laughs> and so we're going to have uh, the four corners of the globe covered for that. But I think it'll be a great show. Again, if you've got any VBA lying around, uh, legacy stuff that you'd like to bring into uh, AppScript, uh, check it out. We'll, we'll walk through how it's made, some of those use cases, and uh, what you can expect. Yeah. So. Oh, I'm now intrigued, Alice. Do you have any Excel spreadsheets lying around? I know you're the goddess of Google I Sheets. Oh, I do. And I have friends over at Microsoft uh, in the Excel department. And, you know, I'll take any spreadsheet that you want to use. <laughs> She's the queen of all spreadsheets. We're, we can be friends. <laughs> Excellent. So thanks again for uh, uh, tuning in as well, folks, and um, all your questions and comments. They're being fantastic. Um, and so thank you for your engagement. And also, Again, thank you, Dave and Alice, and we'll thank you, see Dave. you next time. Happy scripting, all.